I know it's going to sound really picky, but if I'm maybe talking to someone online and like their spelling or their grammar is just really <laughs> off. Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I used to yeah. think, yeah. oh my God, um, Josephine, yeah. like, because I used to be a yeah. teacher as well. I used to be like, oh God, Josephine, like, chill out. But like, and then I, actually, I was like, actually, no. Because no. I want to be with someone who can articulate themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I want to be with someone who communication is, because it's really important for me. So yeah. I, I need that in a person. So mm-hmm. I guess for me, you know, I asked myself, okay, why is that important? And I was like, well, it's important because communication is really important yeah. to me. And how you communicate. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and like, yeah. you know, making an effort. Like, yeah. you've got spell check on your phone. Oh, it's not God. a letter, right? It's not handwritten. It's not Nokia phones anymore where no, we're trying no. to, like, cut it down yeah. because we've got a certain amount of... Oh, I hate that too. Same. It's when W-E-N-U with a U. I'm like, no, <laughs> no, and no. No, and and sometimes I see random full stops in places. Yeah. And I'm like, what, what is going on here? Yeah, a full stop and then the next letter is, like, a lowercase. <laughs> yeah. Tune in to the conversation for her, by her. This episode was recorded in the pod at White City Place. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Conversation Podcast. We are doing a Sob Sisters episode today. It's Zuleika Lebeau, your resident artist, and I am joined by... Josephine here. It's my first Sob Sisters. I'm very excited. Yes, I'm excited too. It's Priscilla. So before we get into the answering of the questions, I have a little icebreaker for you both. Nice. Should we always accept the advice we're given? I love how we both we both literally <laughs> took a deep breath at the same time. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Oh, do you want to dive in? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, all right. Going, going. I think advice, even seeking advice, you know, always do it with caution. I think uh, take it with a pinch of salt. At, at some point, you'll need to learn how to trust yourself, trust your instincts. Mm. Um, be mindful of where you're getting the advice from. So, you know, saturated of information like social media, TV, friends, and they may not know any more than you do. So... I'd say, you know, take advice with a pinch of salt and ultimately re- learn how to trust and rely on yourself. Ooh. Like that. Oh. <laughs> yes, yeah. um, I would agree and say it depends. Um, depends on the person and the subject. Like, there's certain people who might talk to me about, I don't know, relationships who are just like, pinch of salt. There's other people who I really value their opinions certain things it might be business related it might be whatever because I've seen them and I know that they kind of not have the right but they have the experience the backing to kind of give me a well-rounded view on something Mm -hmm. um so I guess it just kind of depends on the person um and I feel like if you know so if it's a friend and you know them well then you can kind of like gauge whether it's coming from a informed place Mm. or even just a place of like I see this situation better than you can because that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. You don't always have to be like the mastermind. Just sometimes the fact that they can see it from a, I know you well, and maybe you shouldn't do this. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a perspective. And yeah. They can reflect something that you subjectively may not be able yeah. to. Yeah. 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 yeah, I would agree with that. Like, I always think about advice or people giving advice to me and all the collection of friends I have is like, in a way, and sorry guys, um, it's like tools in a shed, right? Mm. So you're not gonna use, you're not gonna use a, sh- a, a hammer to um, tighten a screw. Yeah. And so if you've got a friend in your, like that you're going to advise about something that needs like, really it needs a little bit of a, a tweak and that mm-hmm. friend is like your hammer. Yeah. Maybe you're going to the wrong person for advice. Mm. So you should be like, you know, 
again, like you said, Josephine, trust your judgment and and utilize what you know of that person to see if maybe they're going in a bit too hard because they love you so much and they don't want you to be hurt when really it doesn't need that level of like mm. aggro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the whole thing's quite interesting, especially when you look at sorry, I'm segueing here. Ooh. <laughs> especially when you look at like I guess like parents or guardians or like old brothers and sisters mm. um, because sometimes people feel like they can give you advice based on the status they play in your life. Does that make yes, sense? So like yeah, yeah. Unsolicited. Might, yeah. Mm. Your mum might feel compelled to say don't but she might not necessarily know what but because she's your mum she feels like she knows what's best which is not always true. Does that make sense? Um, which I find a lot of uh, I was listening to an interesting podcast talking about mortgages and savings and stuff like that and a lot of people are just saying that some of the advice or lack of advice given um, has put them in a bit of a sticky situation now. So it's in, it's just interesting, I guess, when you look at the space in which you require in my life as mm. to whether I listen to you and take you seriously mm. versus what your life actually says about yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely some things that you'll need professional, like, you know, a mortgage or, or whatever kind of legal terms, mm. you know, you will need advice. But I think for things like life, I think, like you say, like a toolbox where you, you kind of discern, okay, yeah. mm. am I going to use this to what extent? Yeah. You know, but it's not gospel necessarily. Mm. Love that. Exactly. And on that note, shall we get into some of the questions that people have sent mm. in for us to solve? <laughs> um, so, yeah, who wants to go first in picking... Josephine. Josephine. Yeah, yeah Josephine. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> oh, she's picked up a big meaty question. Is that two? I think that's. Oh, no, it's oh, one. It's, it's chonker. Chonker. All right. So it says, I literally have no idea how to navigate networking parts of events or conferences, but I need to for my work. If I don't know anyone, I find myself literally just leaving because I'm not sure how to approach people or just be a functional human being in that space. It's starting to become a problem at work and I'm not sure what to do. Okay. Mm. Networking can be hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not an easy. I don't think anyone finds it easy. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, it's definitely... It's a balance because it's a social thing, but you're still trying to, there's a goal and you're kind of trying to talk to people, but be social at the same time. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult thing to navigate, definitely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think if you're naturally quite extroverted and you're put in a, because you thrive off of people, you know, you might find it a bit easier Mm. than someone who maybe isn't just, isn't a social butterfly. Mm. Yeah. because I even know from some of my friends and stuff who you can chuck them in situations and they'll they'll be fine. You don't even need to be with them. You leave them alone and they they would make ten friends in like ten minutes. Um, but maybe if you're a bit more reserved, a bit more I'm quite a cautious person in general, so I can be like, oh, like I don't want to seem too keen or whatever. Mm. So I can completely understand how that situation would be really difficult for somebody who maybe just doesn't want to jump in and look like a weirdo. Mm. But um, as I always say, it's it's a process of learning and you start to realise how important it is, especially nowadays, especially in London, (laughs) especially if you're a creative. It's like Mm. who you know is literally everything. Um, So it's baby steps, I think. What do you guys think? It's definitely baby steps. I mean, one thing, there's a few things that I do in networking events when I think, uh, it's really strange. Some some networking events you go to and because 
everyone there is conscious of the vibe that they want it to be a networking event and it you know they want people to talk to one another that they don't necessarily know they make a deliberate conscious effort with people to like say okay you speak to this person for five minutes and then you speak to another person mm-hmm, for five minutes mm-hmm. and you know when when it's that kind of situation it makes it a lot easier to work the room mm-hmm. absolutely um but if you're just sort of plonked in a situation where everyone sort of knows each other and then they only talk to each other and then you're just sort of stood there because you don't know anyone like yeah. a lemon um one of the things that i find helpful to do is i think right i need an in so i watch for about five minutes and I pick out people that I think are interesting. And this is a bit stalkerish, but, you know, it, it works for me. And I think, OK, what about this person can I use as an in? So if I see, like, OK, I like this person's earrings. Cool. Are they from Tatty Divine? Great. I can say, yes, I used to work for Tatty Divine or, like, I used to, you know, whatever kind of thing, association you have with that brand or whatever, you recognise that they were in Balenciaga, maybe you like Balenciaga and then you go up and you kind of like so you you figure out your your in and it needs to be something unfortunately very superficial because you don't know them yet mm-hmm. but once you have that in you can get into the deeper thing and the other side of it is that I always ask the other person about themselves mm. I don't really talk about myself until they ask me yeah. because most people at these events want to talk about themselves everyone loves to talk about everyone themselves. loves to talk I actually don't like talking about myself oh, okay. I really really hate it to the point where people have complained to me, you never talk about yourself. It's really annoying. I don't know what's going on with you. But in that, in these situations, that natural mm-hmm. dispensation that I have to not talk about myself is actually really helpful. <laughs> yeah. But then sometimes you not feel like that doesn't give them an understanding as to how this connection might work. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because, like... For me, whenever I go into a situation in which I want to network, whether it's a deliberate like networking event or it's an event where I know there's key people going to be there, um, my big thing is what do I know that I can offer mm. to whomever I'm trying to connect with? Like I'm, I'm going into this space and who am I going as, if that makes sense? Yeah. Like, not in a creepy way, but just a kind of okay, I need to look for more sponsors or I'm trying to connect with more brand yeah. or I want to see if I can get in touch with more journalists mm. or whatever it is. It's like you kind of need to put that at the forefront of your mind mm-hmm. because that will help yeah. you understand, like, what can I give you? Okay, I look after 10 brands who you might be interested in or mm. I think your publication's amazing and I could send you an article I don't know it's just it's kind of key I guess it's having an intention like mm-hmm. what, what do you want is it that you just want to kind of meet other people in, in the industry like get a sense of things or mm-hmm. like you say you go in there to look for xyz mm-hmm. um I guess it's having an intention mm-hmm. really and I guess also I think even after the kind of initial chat where you might have you know kind of started off by complimenting someone and then asking them a bit more about themselves. I guess whenever I used to network, I never really knew how to close. If that's the right word, I'd be like, okay, we're having a chat now. Now what? What what, what do I do? Like, I never really knew how to kind of um, smoothly actually close it or swap details or stuff like that. Business cards. Yeah. Yeah, it just... And then always kind of following up after. So it's, yeah, it's, it's an area that I was, I've always been pretty rusty on. Yeah. Myself, if I'm honest. Yeah, no, I completely get that. I think it's, Same. it's uh, like I said, it's intention. It's a bit of planning. Mm. It's like with anything. You just kind of have to, you know, oh, uh, it's definitely been great chatting to you. And I would love for us to sit down and maybe have a chat over coffee. Or, mm. um, you know, I've got an event coming up that I think you'd be great to come to or whatever mm-hmm. um here's my details i'm gonna drop you a line for sure and um, i always like to 
to like I call it the follow up stare. So at the even if I've not spoken to that person again during the course of the event, yeah. when I make eye contact with them, I'm like, make sure you message me. Like that kind of like in a funny, not in a like a creepy way, but it's mm. like a a little. Oh, we've made a little connection here, so I want yeah. you to kind of remember that I do want you to follow up, or I will I'll text you, or whatever it is. It I think it's about making yourself rememberable, like mm-hmm. memorable. Sorry, like you want people to remember that contact that they've had with you mm-hmm. um, because they meet so many people in that time. It's like what's going to differentiate mm-hmm. me from everyone? And you want it to be genuine. I've been at, I've been yeah. at network events and I've seen people like just sort of like go to like about 10, 15 people and kind of like introduce, you know, you get a sense that when they come up to you, it's like you're just one of many. <laughs> Do you know what yes, I mean? It's like when guys go around the club asking all the girls yeah. for their number. <laughs> it is like that. And it's literally like a machine gun. And I guess, yeah, you know, that's someone really who is. approaches it. You know, maybe that works for them. You know, efficiency. You know, maybe they get sales or whatever it is at the end of the day. But when I've been to networking events, I've always maybe remembered the people that I've con- connected with just on another level. Or even the people who've said, oh, actually, I hate networking. Yeah. Or I'm really rubbish at this. You know, it's always been a... That's always felt a bit more authentic. Yeah. And yeah. It's true. Bish, bash, bosh. Yeah. One final thing I will say is, like, what are your goals for these events that you're going to? So whenever I go to a networking event, I always give myself the goal of establishing a connection with one person. Mm. Like, that's a really... Even if it's just, hi, how are you? Yeah, you know, what's going on? Or, like, I'm really rubbish at these events. What about you? You have a five-minute conversation. As long as you've talked to one person and that's your goal if you're really, really bad at this... You can go home. You've achieved your goal. You don't have to force yourself to do more than what is is achievable for you at that moment. It's a it's a process. It's a it's a building up. Like mm-hmm. some days, I'm, when I'm very anxious and I I know I need to go to an event, I'm like, okay, I will stay for half an hour, and I will try to speak to at least one person, and then I can go home. Mm-hmm. And it's just about setting that very small goal and then, you know, building up depending on how you feel the next time and you will build confidence that way, I think. Yeah, I think it's something that I've I've spoken about to people at events. It's very important to kind of measure it with how good you are with networking. Mm. So, like, kind of taking that, like, setting the milestones. So Mm. next time, set yourself two little goals and then do that. Mm. And then next time, three. And if you can't stay too long, don't stay too long. Like, it's really, really important. And I did it for a year. I say it all the time. Like, I took one year out to make sure I went to events by myself. Mm. Um, Whether it's someone's nails that you compliment or whatever it is, Mm. like, you've just got to make sure that you work out, how how can I do this and practice it? Like, what are the tools that I can give myself to help me be able to practice it? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes those are practical steps. So, mm-hmm. you know, saying to yourself, okay, I'm going to go in there and um, maybe you find women easier to talk to on a whole. Maybe it's the guy with the beer that you kind of, like, gravitate towards. Whatever it is, pick your person or pick your thing. Narrow in on them. Go mm-hmm. in. Don't be too creepy or weird. Yeah. <laughs> And also be mindful of the kind of energy you're receiving back mm-hmm. because some people will tell you without telling you to leave them alone. Um, mm-hmm. And some people are very welcoming. You don't want to yeah. waste time. So it's like you've got to understand all this. It's a process. The more you do it, the better you become. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, like very anything. simple as that. I guess, yeah. Definitely. But I definitely think like a container of like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to stay for half an hour or yeah. I'm going to talk to three people. And yes. then, you know, if you stay for 45 minutes... You know, mm-hmm. you've even exceeded, or if you sort of four people instead of three, you know, they're yeah. small goals, but they're easy to 
um, go over and above. Yes, you know? exactly. And you leave exactly. feeling like you've accomplished something. Exactly. exactly. It's rather yeah. than overwhelmed. Yeah. Yeah, and small ones as well. Don't yeah. do too much. I think that's another thing. A lot of people don't set realistic goals. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in there and speak to ten people. That's not always realistic, mm-hmm. even if the room has a thousand people in it, because mm-hmm. it's really hard. Everybody else has that goal mm-hmm. to speak to ten people. So, just saying, like, I'm going to speak to one person is is it can go a long way, mm-hmm. and that connection can go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. Valuing that one maybe, and then spreading yourself too thinly over. Yeah, ten exactly. exactly. So next, 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 okay. Priscilla. Oh, let me dive in. Um, I feel like picking this one, but then... Okay, sorry. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> That's somebody's mama. Um, my mom has been going through the menopause for a couple of years now and is getting progressively more difficult to spend time with. She's often angry and wants to start an argument. <clears throat> sorry. Over nothing or incre- incredibly passive. Passive-aggressive. Lots of people in the family are avoiding spending time with her, which is making her very lonely, Mm. but she won't accept any medical help or acknowledge that her hormones are causing her behaviour. Any tips? Ooh, loaded. Difficult. Fully loaded. Uh. Remember the fully loaded burger from KFC? Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) No, tell us about it, Priscilla. (laughs) (laughs) Segway. Wow. Um, stuff fun. medical stuff's always really tricky especially when the medical's affecting the mental mm-hmm. um, and then there's kind of like a lack of like the person's not piecing it together because I think with anything in life it's like if I'm not ready to take accountability or understand what's going on with myself mm. what can you what can you do mm. as an external party it's really hard mm-hmm. like, what do you do and you know it, it could be a process as well like you know I know with the menopause, you know, women do go through emotional, well, not that I'm imagining and I've heard Mm. that with the menopause, you know, women do go through like a feeling of loss. There's a a lot of emotional Mm. change there. Yeah. Um, And I don't know if that's just part of a process. And and because it's a natural thing, I'd be applying something medical to actually something that's quite a natural transition. I mean, that maybe there's kind of like therapy or support groups or you know, some kind of external help that can be given. But I think it is a very, it can be a very difficult time. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. in a woman's life. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it sounds difficult for, you know, her mum, you know, that she, you know, she probably knows that she's kind of behaving in such a way that's kind of alienating herself, isolating herself. But, I mean, the daughter mentions that she's kind of feeling lonely as well. Yeah. So it must be quite a quite an isolating time actually um which is why i would say i would you know i think a talk in therapy i mean in any situation can can never hurt Mm. but particularly in a situation like that where it's a massive transition in a woman's life yeah huge actually i can imagine i don't know how you know when when it comes to when i ever go through the menopause i think that would hit me quite hard so perhaps she just needs some kind of you know talking therapy Mm. help yeah it's um it's a really difficult thing. I mean, I can tell you exactly what it was like for me when my mother went through the menopause because my mum had me quite late. So by the time my mum went through the menopause, I was 16. And it was like two bears having a fight every day. We were at each other's throats. What did you mean by that? I don't know. What did you mean by, mean by that? And then suddenly 
we're having a two-hour argument. And it was intense. Like, almost every day we would scream at each other. Scream at each other. And, yeah, it kind of got to the point where, you know, I was just, like, I was just, as a teen, I was just not in the house a lot. Um, And it was really intense. And, I mean, my mum was doing things to kind of ameliorate her her hormonal fluctuations as well. Like she's a really big proponent of homeopathy and therapy and she was getting acupuncture and stuff like that. So I dread to think what she would have been like. Sorry, mum. <laughs> <laughs> no offence, but I dread to think what she would have been like if she had been stubbornly refusing to admit that there was a problem right. and that like she she needed help to get through this and that, you know, her emotions were going haywire and that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't doing anything. Um, so that's a really, really tough situation i mean i think one of the things to remember is that sometimes it's it's a it's a drip 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 rather than a like a a heavy again like hammer it's more like a drip 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 slowly 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 like a gentle suggestion or maybe you say you know oh mum there's this really interesting program on tv about um getting help or oh there's this book that i read or you know, just kind of like a gentle um, persuasion to to helping her get through the process. And remember, it's not really about you as well. Mm-hmm. Like whatever her her thing is that you know that, that she's picking on you for, or like she's she's feeling bad about. Like it's it's definitely got to do with her and her own internal stuff. And I think sometimes when somebody's being very aggressive. Um, we can really think it's us and take that on board and actually it's not, it's, you know, it's mostly them. Yeah. I think the pain does become quite split as well, though. Mm. You know, it's like when you don't understand something, so if anyone's ever dealt with, like, mental health um, issues or anything like that, you can't, you know that when you're going through whether it's anxiety, depression, whatever <coughs> it is that you might have or deal with, um, it's really difficult to find people to empathise with your situation if they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine somebody who's not had menopause before, that if somebody that I'm close to is showing some signs of it and they have erratic behaviour or whatever, that even though I might try to be empathetic, I might not as be as empathetic as I could because I don't get it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And then it, beco- it becomes like two losses because you feel like you're losing someone that you love and that person's like, I don't know what's going on with myself and how do I communicate this? Yeah. Um, and I guess this is, again, why it's really important for women to, to continuously have these kind of conversations out in the open instead of it being such a, like, it will happen when it happens. Um, I think the more, it's like the, with the whole period thing. Like, who knew that so many girls struggled to even get access to period pads? Because I didn't. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that was a thing until it became a thing and we all knew it's a thing and now we're talking about it. So it's like with menopause, if, I'm sure a lot of other women are feeling lonely a lot of other women can empathise with what this woman's going through. And it's like, if there was maybe more, I don't know if there is, but more support groups, um, videos, films, I don't know, things mm. that can kind of make someone watch it and go, ah, oh, that you're saying me, like you're, mm. you're talking about what I'm dealing with, um, then maybe then that person can give them the tools. Because one of the great things about this modern day age is our ability to share. Um, and a lot of people do that via especially social media. Um, we share a lot of stuff that we deal with that you think is only isolated to you, but then you just, you know, you blink and you've got three million views and mm. 100,000 comments of people saying, that's me. Mm. Um, so, yeah, maybe find her... If, if it's not an event that she can go to, maybe even just, like, a film or a video she can watch and say, I think this person's kind of feeling like you. 
um, might help. It's nice to be able to relate to something. Mm. Oh, the other point, I've just read over it again. Um, the other point is that try to educate the family members that are um, avoiding spending time with her about the menopause because that's the other thing is like they just think oh what the f you know what the fuck is going on with her she's like she's all different now and mm -hmm. maybe they don't like like a lot of people don't really understand the mechanics of how it works and mm -hmm. what actually happens to you um so maybe educate them as well so that they are more informed and and don't start something mm. or like you know exacerbate things when there's no need for that yeah and she needs to get the help she does yeah, yeah. because we can see that she's completely neglecting like any getting any kind of support mm. she needs to get the help because if she's not obviously she's not coping yeah. and you know I know it could be difficult but and I don't know how old the daughter is but maybe even just you know saying to the mum look mum are you okay like having sitting her down and having a chat with her. I don't know if she, you know, she's had that conversation with mm. her already. Um, but sometimes just kind of like putting the nail on the head and just saying, like, look, mum, just notice you've, you haven't been yourself. Mm. Are you okay? Because mm. sometimes that's all someone needs, you know? Sometimes maybe even they're kind of maybe acting out. I'm not saying that she is, but in life sometimes we can kind of almost act out so someone actually says, look, are you okay? And like mm. gives you that permission then to sort of say, actually, no, I'm not. Mm. I feel like rubbish, you know. Mm. So that could be, I don't know, a start, yeah. perhaps, mm. that might then open the floodgates to something else. Who knows? Yeah, mm. I definitely agree, I think. They both need the support. She needs to find out more as well. Yeah. Because it can be really difficult, segue slightly, when you've got a parent who is... Oh, demanding mm. um, emotionally. Yes. Uh, it can be really tiring on you as, a ch as someone's child because it doesn't, you, you don't ever become the parent, you know, you're still their child. Sometimes when you're taking on that kind of emotional, like, responsibility to kind of sift through her emotions when she's not open to getting any other help, mm. that can be quite taxing. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's not easy mm. at all, but it could be... Maybe a, a start. I don't know. Maybe yeah. that one conversation may Sparks just off, yeah. yeah crack mm. something open. You know, 100%. Um, where you know the mum might be more open to actually kind of recognizing there's a problem. Yeah, because maybe now mm. she doesn't. Yeah, you know. Um, but sometimes when something's actually brought to us, then it's like, oh, okay, I can see that. Yeah, it's reflected back. Yeah, you know? no, I agree. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. Well, not love it, but <laughs> love that. Wow. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I think we will be moving on to the next question now. Mm -hmm. Good luck with your mum. Mm. Good luck. Okay, I'm going to pick this one. Let's see. Oof. I don't just deserve a pay rise. I need one. Life is expensive. I am spending over half of my salary on rent. This is killing me. What should I do? Boy, that's like everyone in London. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> yeah. Ninety-five percent of London. Wow. Ninety-five percent of billionaires. Um, <laughs> wow. Mm. Money, money, money. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna jump in on this one. Um, how are you going about getting this pay rise? Mm. Because if it's a situation where you, you're really not being paid enough, 
um, you know, first of all, like do some research on people to, who are doing similar job roles to you and similar duties to you, and comparing and contrasting what the, what their salary what salaries these people are getting, and then you can kind of go to your boss with a full folder, like a full presentation, and be like, yo, mm-hmm. slap it on the table. This is what I deserve to be paid. And also, a good thing is to go for several job interviews first and and maybe even get a job offer and then say if you don't pay me what this other company is offering mm. i'm going to i'm going to bounce yeah. mm. pay me what i'm worth um yeah you know i'm i'm sure a lot of us have mm-hmm. um and even even if it's a case of that you know they call you a bluff at least then you do have job security you can go <laughs> you can go I was about you to can say, go somewhere else <laughs> i was about to say if you get sacked i'll give you Salika's number yeah <laughs> No, I mean, obviously, make sure you have the job first. <laughs> make sure you have another job to go to first before you just... <laughs> um, although I have done that. I have done that. I have said, you know, pay me what I'm worth or I'm leaving. And I just left because I couldn't take it anymore because they were really underpaying me and it was actually affecting my mental health. Um, but in terms of spending half your salary on rent, I mean, that's just... When it over half. Over half, over half of your salary and rent. I mean, that is just like... Just the rent. It's just ridiculous, yeah. It's like... But a lot of people find themselves in that situation. Yeah. It's so expensive to mm. live in London. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's people's right to be able to live close to where they work. True. Because that really helps. Yeah. But to do that, for most people, especially if you're working corporate, you're working Canary Wharf, you're working Central. It, to be fair, even around like Shoreditch, Liverpool Street, Hackney, it's expensive. It's mm. like there isn't any specific types of areas anymore. It's not even like, oh, this area is really cheaper. If you're going to rent a flat in Haggerston, you're paying a lot. And these yeah, are areas Haggis- that, yeah. are, you know, five, six years ago were not mm-hmm. as they are now. True. So it's like how, you know, I have this thing in the back of my head where we all know that with, you know, the processes that they're putting in place, they're just trying to push people out of London and they're successfully doing so. Mm, um, right, 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 out to the out- outskirts. And if you've got the money, then you can afford to kind of live in the city. It then becomes a bit of a privilege. Grown men and women are living in horrific conditions and are paying premium mm. to live in, like, little tiny, like, spaces. Sheds. Yeah. <laughs> like, I saw, I saw an ad online when I was looking for a place and the... The ad was for half a bed. It was a room share. I I didn't think it was real. I didn't think that could be real. They were literally saying, you can share my bed. Oh, my word. So we can half the room fees, like the amount. I was like, oh, okay. I wish you all could see the expression on my face right now. I'm I'm actually baffled. And, like, dorms? Yeah. It is. I mean, I I haven't rented in London since I moved back from Dublin. And so I, before I went to Dublin, I was paying, like, I don't know what, 600 I can't mm. remember what I was paying maybe like kind of 600 for a room I think at the max that's the most I ever paid for right. a room mm. I hear conversations on the tube or like friends who are like mm. paying like 800 or my, I have a Good friend mind. who lives in um uh, near Angel mm. and they're paying like I think like over a grand mm-hmm. for a two bed f- sharing two bed flat and that's bonkers I have a mortgage now and my mortgage is still less than... My mortgage payments per month are still less than that. It just doesn't make Mm -hmm. sense. Mm. So I think, I mean, London... Rental prices in London are, like, definitely imploding. It's it's mad. I mean, I live in Ilford. I don't know if... if, I don't know what rent prices are like around there, but I guess the the closer into London you you live, the more crazy the prices will be. But in terms of, uh, you know, in terms of the actual pay rise... I guess it's two things, and she's mentioned them, that, yes, she needs it, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she deserves it. I guess what she brings to her boss is the I deserve it rather than I I need it aspect. Because I guess mm-hmm. I don't know how much employers need to know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much that will sway their decision of mm-hmm. whether or not they're going to give you one. But I'd say, I mean, I've asked for a pay rise recently and I'm asking for another one because I want to extend my contract. But yes. what I guess what you bring to your employer is like, you know, this is the work I'm doing. This mm-hmm. is the this is the level I'm working at mm-hmm. and this is why I feel I, I deserve one, you know? And you kind of have to go in there pretty strong. Yeah. But not like... It's a really fine balance between kind of being assertive, I guess, but not not kind of having a, a charge about it. It's more mm. like, you know, I deserve this. I don't know. It's, it's a fine balance, but you kind of have to prepare, I guess, beforehand. Prepare why, you know, show them why you think... You deserve yeah. this pay rise. Like yeah. give them actual evidence. Yeah. <clears throat> I yeah. think that's hundred percent you need to do that. <clears throat> you need to do that. I mean, just the fact this is killing me. I think one of the things and this is something that I did say to the people at the job that I left, like, you know, they called my bluff and I was just like, whatever, like, you know, rage quit, flip the table, like fucked off. Um <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, you are expecting me to live on less than what you would pay yourself. Think about that. I'm aware that you're the boss, but you're ex- actually expecting me to live on a th- not even a third, a quarter of your salary. Mm. You're expecting me to live on that. Do you understand what that actually does to a person? This isn't just like a, you know, it's, it's not just a... Um, I understand, Josephine, your point that it's, you know, you don't necessarily have to take an emotional emotional case into work because that might not work in your favour. But laying it out like that sometimes, mm. may, like, shocks people into thinking, like, well, actually, yeah, how much is my salary? And I'm, you know, maybe they're struggling to live on their salary, depending on their expenses as well. And obviously, we, when you have certain... When you have a certain... Um, earnings bracket your you know your expenses just kind of go up and whatever you you can afford more things but if say you're earning 17k a year how are you as a grown-up expected Mm. to live on that or maybe you're earning 25 even 25 how how are you as a grown-up in London with travel food and maybe the occasional going out like maybe once or twice a month doesn't matter how many coffee coffees you cut how many lunches Mm. you bring in from home whatever you're still not making enough money to sustain a lifestyle in London maybe Mm. you know somewhere out in the country whatever it's it's different but Mm. in London you're not making enough to sustain a lifestyle and then how can you sustain a job if you can't even sustain your life Mm. yeah I agree I think I think she should look at speaking to her employers about it if she feels like it's a genuine possibility um i've always kind of been the kind of person who i know where i want to be so i'm just going to make sure that i'm traveling in the right direction as much as i can i think some people do become complacent because of their their bills and naturally obviously it's really easy to get tied into it you've got a 12 month contract in the house that you've got to pay your rent you want to leave you can't kind of do too much of a stampede in the office because you won't be able to pay your rent next month mm-hmm. um it's difficult people are like falling into what i call traps you know and getting locked down into just paying extortionate amounts 
in rent mm. um, and it's rent it doesn't go towards being yours it's just money every month that you mm. stay in this space yeah. which can work for some people if you move around a lot but really and truly if you're probably going to be in your job for 10 years you don't want to just feel like you're chucking over half um, of your salary in the bin but I'll just like flip it on its head a little bit and just wonder whether she's reviewed her spending herself mm. um, because I think sometimes if you like Lux, you might be staying, staying in a space that's too, it's like, it's too much for you. Like, True. it's that whole thing of, like, actual wage mm. um, without being rude to the person saying you don't deserve what you, what you have. <laughs> I just got that, sorry. <laughs> no, it's true. Sometimes it's like, you know, don't, if, if you can't do it, you don't do it. Mm. Um, I've had to even learn to try and live as if, I've got half of the salary that I bring in every month, yeah. you know, so that I can sustain myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think in London, there's there's this whole high standards thing. People want to live well. You want to be able to have access to the right things, which I get. But does it, like I say, actual wage? Do you bring in what you're do you live spending beyond? out? It's true. You, it's true. Are you looking at your spending? Are you saying, because you, you get more money and you think more money means more money, but it doesn't. You end up getting more things that you end up having to pay for. And it's like, that's how people get more hungry because they have more, you know, spending. It's just yeah. like, you need to make sure you look at your finances and personally. S- yeah. And saving. Like, I, I live by saving. I just, every every month, like, I squirrel away. Like, however much I get paid, like, I always put a portion away in savings. Mm. But... You know, let's just say for sake of argument, if she's even doing all this stuff already, you mm. know, maybe her spending habits are already pretty sound. Mm. I guess maybe looking at, you know, having to think of her job, like, is it in an industry that, that will pay right. more? Like, I've worked in the arts before, and, like, you know, art, arts industry does not pay mm. very well, sadly. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like, I've worked, you know, in theatres and stuff, and they don't, they just don't pay mm. very well. So... Is it a case of, you know, in the, in the industry she's in, you right. know, is she ever going to get higher, mm. you know, number one? The rent is another thing. Like, is is the rent um, exuberant? You know, is yeah. it that she's living in Shoreditch, right. you know, and Shoreditch is very nice, but maybe, you know, would move in a bit further out, I don't know, into like zone three, four. I know it's a bit more of a travel in, but there's, I think there's just, there's compromises or not so much sacrifices, choices maybe that sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to, you have to make. Um, So yeah, I guess those are factors to look at as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, still asking for the pay rise, but I guess just being aware, is it, am I an issue in a company or issue in an industry that will actually pay higher than, what she's on yeah absolutely absolutely too many people want a lot and I'm like the not even one percent of the people who work in your industry get paid above I don't know 50 60k Mm. so not saying that you can't do that but let's be realistic here let's manage Mm. expectations like what are you doing to put yourself in that one percent space yeah if you're just complaining like, how are we getting there? Have you advanced your skills? Are you taking additional courses? Are you going to your director and saying, look, there's a this course that I could do that mm. would help the company in this way, and then we can look at maybe me taking that on instead of you contracting that out? Mm. There's loads of different things. I always advise even my close friends. I'm like, look, there's things like the GDPR thing, which is massive at the moment. Like, go, try and get your employees to see if they'll pay you to, to train in it, and you can offer that service, and you become priceless because it's such a massive part mm. of legislation at the moment. It's like they would have to pay you. They don't need to contract that out to people because you're in-house. It's like, mm. try and... Like, I've always been a create-your-own-lane person. Like, I 
still make my lane where however I have to. Like make your own lane. If you feel like you've got what it is that you can uh, offer your company, then tell them. Mm. Like this is how I can be an added value. Like at the moment we're contracting this out to this person. I have the skill set. Give it to me for six months. Watch, see how I do. If you don't like it, take it off of me. I'll go back to my salary. Like put yourself on the line. Girl. Yeah, it's definitely there's definitely room for like being savvy. But I think also, you know, when when I've looked for jobs in the past, and if I've seen salaries that are like like you say like seventeen or or like twenty two, mm. it's like it's an insult. How I don't really see how you can expect someone to move out of their parents' house, you know, and and be on like a salary where they, you know, like this person saying that half of it is kind of maybe going on their rent or Mm -hmm. like I think maybe actually not maybe I think salaries also I mean I've worked in companies where there's been a massive gulf between the kind of um support staff and like the kind of director high echelons and like of course yeah maybe someone who's ahead of whatever will be on such and such but I don't think there should be quite the disparity Mm. that there was so I definitely think that needs to be looked at as one you know Mm. just acknowledging the fact that it's not cheap to live in London at all all. what is 17k like after tax roughly nothing yeah it's nothing (laughs) it's sweet FA is what it is it's not a lot is it it's about it's about 1,200 a month if, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's, one, I don't think it's up to that either. It might, well, you Maybe know. Maybe 1-1? One, one? Well, I'm thinking, yeah, 1-1. One, 1-1-50? One, one. One, like, as yeah. in 1,000 like, that yeah. kind of thing? Because I was on, a few years ago now, like, a good few years ago, I was on, yeah, 1,200, like, seven, yeah, 1,200 a month, and I was literally skating by, like, mm. just, 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 just managing. Like every month, it's like a... Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm yeah. I'm I'm working to live as mm-hmm. to breathe. Yeah, because yeah. you look at that. Yeah. Okay, let's say for the sake of argument, one thousand one hundred. What's a rent rent in a room in London? Let's say six hundred. Six hundred pounds. That's not bills. That's not travel. Yeah. Mm. That's not food. Mm-hmm. That's not other like life expenses. Yeah. You know, birthdays. Um, um, I don't know, like meals that you might want to go out with. You should, you're mm-hmm. entitled to go out for yeah. it. Work, eating at work, because that's yeah. a big thing. Yeah, it's like living hands and mouth, pretty yeah. much. I mean, I remember there were weeks, like it got down to sticky bum time, where there were weeks. So what I would do is I would pay like the major major things. So I would pay like my travel card mm. and my rent, first mm. two things, and then every anything that I had left over was... And I was renting. Luckily, bills were included, so I was, my rent was five hundred a month. Yeah. And then what I would do was oh buy gosh. everything that I could buy frozen. And then if it got to like sticky bum time week, it would be like literally tinned fish and veg and like frozen veg. And I was literally living like that every month. And that's why I was just like, "Yo, you need to do something because I actually cannot live like this." Mm. And you want people, they want people to yeah, save. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Like, how, you want someone to get a mortgage or I want to have kids. Yeah. On that. I wonder sometimes, like, how some people are doing it with children mm. on certain salaries. They're not. In London. Yeah. You're not surviving. Yeah. You're literally not. We just don't know about it. Yeah. I watched a TV show once and a woman was rent, renting the landing in the house, her and her son. What? The landing? Yeah. I'm going to find it. I'll send you the link. They um, had a, like a, so we've got like this little stool that's next to me. It's really small. So they had something similar to the stool um, that they put their clothes in. Oh, my God. They were sleeping on the landing. Her and her son. In London? In London. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. That's mad. Yeah. That is mad. Mm-hmm. And they're renting, obviously, at a cheaper rate. It could be 300 
So that's what she could, you know, afford. That's what she's in. Wow. A landing. I couldn't believe it. And there was wiring that was loose. You know, some of the landlords, some of the things people are getting away with yes. yeah, they in are. this city. Oh, they are. It's atrocious. And people yeah. have no choice as well. None. Yeah. No choice. None. You're hand to mouth. Mm-hmm. But some people are working illegally and yeah. doing, like, jobs that you you wouldn't even, like, ask your worst enemy to do mm-hmm. for, like, ridiculous hours for, for rent. Like, we're going to ask you to do this work so you can sleep. I saw in the living room, one guy divided the living room up into sections with curtains. So you would have, like, your little bit Mm. of a curtain. And that was it. Just a strip on the floor. Yeah. And you're paying paying £200. Mm -hmm. I do think there's going to, if there's not already, just going to be a bit bit of a mass exodus just out of of London. Mm -hmm. I mean, I I already know people who are thinking of moving out of London. Yes. Because they're like, well, I'm never going to be able to buy London. Mm -hmm. Don't want to rent for the rest of my life, you know. And it's sad. Like, I love London. Londoner, born and bred. It'd break my heart if I ever had to leave here because I simply couldn't afford to, to be here. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of people that that is an actual reality for. And I think that's really sad mm-hmm. to leave a place, not because you don't like it, but because you simply cannot exist yeah. there anymore. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's horrible. And the compare and contrast is what's shocking. When you look mm. externally and you think... What I'm paying for rent here, I could have a house, man- oh. mansion <laughs> up north in like oh, other re- areas. Ridiculous. I've got friends that are paying like amounts every month for their apartments or whatever. And take that money, you'd, you'd have a nice five bed, six bed yeah. detached house yeah. in certain places up north and south. Yeah. With a garden. With a garden. And there's people doing that in those areas and having kids and being able to flourish. But they want people to move out. It's the plan. Yeah, it's it's definitely like a. I mean, this is a this speaks to a wider issue, and we have gone off, you know, on a tangent a little bit, but not really. Um, but it speaks to the wider issue of that there is a socio-economic cleansing happening with Absolutely. with these prices, with food prices, with things going up in salaries not really comparatively mm. changing. And then, like, with baby boomers saying millennials are all trash and, you know, mm. all of this kind of stuff. I mean, I know a few people recently, that a few friends of mine who have moved up north, and they're, like, bragging. They're like, yeah, i got this huge, like, Victorian house. I can have a studio here and a garden. I've got somewhere to plant, like, all my... I can grow my own veg out here. And they're, like, paying 800 a month for this massive house, and I'm sat here, like, you know, luckily I'm in a very privileged position at the moment where I don't have to pay rent, but soon that will change, and then I'll have to pay rent, and I'll probably be paying £800 for a room, <laughs> and they've got, like, a four-bed house. It's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, mm. yeah. London's its own little yeah. bubble, though, isn't it? It is, it is. Mm. It's, a bit, it's a bit sickening. So go to your boss, right? <laughs> yeah. And like, but table it properly. I don't yes. like people that go to places without a plan. Mm. Please put down a plan, understand what you're offering, and then take it from there. And then in terms of the money, review your budget. Maybe you need to move out. Mm-hmm. Um, you could also look at different areas if you're open to that. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, Scotland's quite... <laughs> you know, no, honestly, <laughs> it, so, is, it is. Oh, but everyone's, it like, is. talking. As you said, people are moving out. There's other options. I think mm-hmm. sometimes when you love London like we do, 
it's really difficult to like detach yourself from it but mm. maybe it's time for us to time for us to leave mm. um like review it just review it review where you're staying maybe you have other options maybe you've got some friends that you can you know gather up together and maybe get a place um yeah. i don't know just like review it try be savvy that's what i'd say and yeah. yeah like you know you're right. I think it'd be a case of just sort of sitting down and seeing like what my options are, mm-hmm. what my options are. You know, mm-hmm. it could even I've had I know friends even move back home with their parents. Yeah, I've done it before. Yeah. I did it for a couple of months before I I got my place. So you know, there's things you can do. They're not always like um, pretty or things that you necessarily want to do, but they can kind of be means to an end. Yeah. Maybe yeah, a kind of like a short term thing. Yeah, to then something longer term. Good luck, good luck. Good luck luck indeed. So, to round off the episode, I just want to ask you both, is there any advice you would like on a particular thing? Oh, that's an interesting one. Mm. Oh. Should have told us this like ten hours. Ago. <laughs> I'm like, wow. No, it's better if I catch you off guard. You don't have a you don't you don't have time to plot. <laughs> wow. Wow. Um, if there isn't, no pressure. I'm waiting for Josephine uh, to pop in. <laughs> so this is mine. Because I'm trying to think. Um, it's not so much advice, maybe, but I think at the moment I'm in my life trying to sort of, uh, you know, take stock and like and make changes and and. I think it can, and and sort of tr- you know train my brain I think into kind of being a bit more productive, mm-hmm. right. a bit kinder to myself, you know. And I've been thinking recently, should I get rid of my Facebook account? Like I've left certain threads as well. Like I'm on a few WhatsApp threads. I've left left certain threads, and sometimes I'm like, you know, am I isolating myself by doing this, right. or am I doing this for a purpose? Because right. I can spend hours on Facebook just idly just looking through crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. I did it last night. Yeah that I don't need to do and you know your brain is like assassinated by all these kind of just images subtle or otherwise I mean Mm -hmm. I'm not on Instagram but so it's not really advice but I guess I'm trying to sort of yeah lead a bit more of a kind of external noises life and I'm I'm finding it quite difficult at the moment and I'm, I'm finding it like it gets a bit lonely actually when you're not on the, you know, when you're not mm. kind of like constantly like, mm-hmm. you know, leeching information and like finding out who's doing what, you know. Mm. So I'm like, is it is it is it a good lonely? Is that just is it solitude or? Yeah, it's yeah, mm. a funny one. So how do you strike that? that balance? Yeah, yeah. and um, it's only been the last two weeks, so I don't know if it's just that you know I just need to kind of maybe after a month or so. It'll be like oh, okay, I don't need actually the I don't need to be on those threads. I don't need mm. Facebook maybe. Mm. Because um, I'm reading a lot more and like you know listening to you know actually kind of nourishing my brain a lot more. Right. It's just hard actually when you're used to just yeah. vegging on crap. It's actually yeah. hard then to mm-hmm. you know to sort of nourish your brain. And your attention span changes as well. Like when you're used to scrolling and reading like really short form articles, yep. and then suddenly you're you make that switch it's almost like a bit of a withdrawal as well Mm. like from the instant gratification and the instant information to reading and processing and making your brain work so maybe Mm. that's part of it as well is like a bit of actually withdrawal because they're designed to be addictive sorry i keep stepping on your foot um yeah i think it's like teething teething yeah 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 
Mm. I think after, like you said, maybe a month or two, mm. you'll you'll be able to feel it out more as mm. to like maybe what stuff you miss and then why you miss it. Because um, as you said, it's like with anything. You try to eat better, you start looking at chips like me. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think, yeah, Absolutely. you just have to try and find your new normal. Yeah. And, and that looks different to all yeah. of us. Uh, but definitely, I I feel you with the whole like social media taking a break. Um, sounds cliche, but it it binges your brain. And I found spending time with people that I really care about has like helped so much. I just put my phone down when I'm in their company. I don't need to snap about it. No one even knows like who they are or where when I'm with them. It's just being in their company. It's just mm. ace because you can just do other stuff. You can cook together, bake together. You can chat mm. and whatever. And, we need to start doing more like personable, you know, face to face. Yeah, interaction. Yeah, um, I'm I'm meeting a friend on after this who doesn't do any social media. She's never had a Facebook account. Right. She doesn't do any of that. She rarely watches TV. I mean, she's an artist. So she, you know, she'll come home and she'll make something or whatever or bake. But she's just always so like quite calm actually. Zen. Just quite yeah, zen. Mm. You know, um, maybe that's a yeah, that's, a, that's another it. way of being. I wish I could be me too. I wish. I was yeah. telling Zuli actually not long ago that uh, socials, I've not been posting as much because I just, I, I'm busy and I, I don't mm. want to feel like I have to. And it's, you know, mm. it happens. Um, I think for my one, it will be, I'm so picky when it comes to men. It's, it's actually unbelievable. I I go on dates and I get turned off so easily. It's just like the littlest thing. I'm like, for goodness sake. No, I don't know. I'm no, can you, no, we can't deal with it. Is there something we can manage? No, we can't, no. And um, I'm quite straightforward in that sense. So I won't even mince my words. It's just, no, we're not seeing each other again. Don't message me. Um, But I found like some of my methods have been quite, but I guess like on a day to day, I have to be quite, um, I don't want to spill over business into love. But at the same time, I feel like some things just need dealing with like properly. Um, I always meet people that I find annoying after a certain <laughs> amount of time. Um, I I don't like when someone just sounds like they're just not intelligent. You know, when they say something, you're like, oh, that's just so off-putting now. I don't never want to talk to you again. I don't like people who don't have, like, s- certain etiquettes that I like to practice. Like, don't video call me. And I hope this guy's listening to this. Don't ever video call me without asking me when I'm not that familiar with you. I just think it's so intrusive. Yeah, that's how um, I just don't get it. But I thought maybe I was being a bit extra. No. And then call me after. It's no. like, calm the hell down. But yeah, I'm really, really, really picky though. Like, really extremely picky. So I just don't know. It's like Priscilla doesn't want to be alone forever. But what can I do <laughs> when I have such high standards? So, yeah, I think smart. you just have high standards though. I don't think there's anything wrong with that as well. Like there's this idea that like again there's a there's a juxtaposition there between like a man's allowed to have high standards but women are picky. Yeah. Mm. Women are picky. And it's like okay, but how how low are you meant to set the bar? Yeah, I can't mm. go any lower than where yeah. I am. It won't work. Yeah. The relationship will not work. But then sometimes I do feel this is getting deep. Sometimes I do feel like and for anyone that's had experiences within their families, I do kind of feel like sometimes my expectations come from that. Uh. They come from not liking the fact that I've watched so many people, women in my family, kind of fall victim at the hands of men. 
Mm-hmm. So then I now feel a need to kind of overcompensate. Mm-hmm. Does that make does that make sense? Uh-huh. With how I then deal with them. Because I'm like, you're never gonna take the piss. I'm never gonna allow you to see me because it's not happening. Right. So maybe that's what it is. This is deep therapy session, this is guys. Deep, yeah. But yeah, it's a deep I know it's a deeper issue because I'm aware of that. I'm quite aware yeah. of myself. But um and I know there's so many other people that will be in similar situations. It's like that whole alpha female thing. It's not like I'm trying to put on a front. It's just part of it is protection. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's what is what do each of those things mean to you? So if you want someone who, you, like you say, has certain etiquette, what what does that mean to you? Is it because so? For example, I realise that you know when I meet people and they're. I know it's going to sound really picky, but if I'm maybe talking to someone online and, like, their spelling or their grammar is just really... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah. I used to be... Yeah, oh, my I'm, God, Joseph's yeah. like... Because I used to be yeah. a teacher as well. I used to be like, oh, God, Joseph's been like, chill out. But I, and then I, I, actually, I was like, actually, no. Because no. I want to be with someone who can articulate themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and I want to be with someone who communication is... Because imp- it's really important for me. So yeah. I, I need that in a person. So mm-hmm. I guess for me, you know, I asked myself, okay, why is that important? And I was like, well, it's important because communication is really important yeah. to me. And how you communicate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. like you know, making an effort. Like you got spell check on your phone. Oh it's not God. a letter, right? It's not handwritten. It's not Nokia phones anymore, where we're no. trying to like cut it down yeah. because we've got a certain amount of. Oh, I hate that too. Same. It's when W E N U with a U. I'm like no, <laughs> no, and no, no, and and sometimes I see random full stops in places. Yeah. And I'm like, what what is going on here? Yeah, a full stop, and then the next letter is like no <laughs> case. Yeah, or 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 actually, the bane of my life is the one. Wondering apostrophe, yes. the wondering apostrophe, where people just like put a, put an it's like learn learn how to use these things correctly and they actually benefit your life. And people who write formally the way that they speak, and actually that would be my dilemma is that I'm I'm learning now that I have I'm actually quite judgmental. I try very very hard not to be, mm. but I'm quite judgmental of. People, when they do certain things like that, and it is like, and maybe it's an elitism thing or like a, you know, maybe even like behind that is an insecurity that I need to work on. But I do, I do find myself, and also a part of that is 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 kind of like protection as well, because you you realise that those small little things can sometimes lead to have a bigger yeah. significance, like you were saying, Josephine, about mm. um, if you can't spell correctly and you can't communicate properly, this relationship mm. what in whatever capacity maybe it's a friendship or whatever might not work and it, it can also communicate laziness mm-hmm. right you're you know when you're talking to someone in a dating you're not talking to a friend mm. so maybe if you're a friend you do like because and where are you whatever <laughs> but if you're talking to a woman that you're like okay yeah maybe you know I like to get to know this woman then you know then reflect that in the way you write to her right yeah. because when, I think when you when you don't what it communicates to me is either this guy can't spell or he's really lazy. <laughs> yeah. And neither of those, I mean, like, you know, the spelling thing, like, cause it just kind of communicates to me that he can't be asked. Yeah. And, and I guess sometimes you have to think maybe they've got like a learning difficulty and they just don't know how to spell. Oh, yeah. They just yeah. consider that. that yeah. But you then I am, I must be very honest. I'm very similar in that sense of if you don't, when you like, or like L Y K. Or like, I just, I just can't. Yeah. I, I really, I can't, Josephine. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Mm-mm. It's just done. It's 
Especially when it actually impedes communication. I I was talking to one guy once and he and he texted me something I just couldn't understand. Like I just couldn't <laughs> understand it. That everything was just the grammar, the syntax, everything. I was like, this just doesn't I can't understand. Where are we going from here? Where are we going with this? No, I get that. (laughs) And I think on that note, on that note, note, where are we going with this? Join us (laughs) next time for the Conversation Podcast. Follow us at Women of Power UK. You can find the Conversation Podcast on Apple, on Spotify, and wherever else. SoundCloud. SoundCloud and wherever else you get your podcasts. Yeah. Thank you for joining me, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.